Hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name's Jake, and I'm so glad that you have joined us this morning. Um, so for the past three weeks, we've been in a series on Sabbath, as you heard Matt uh, mention a minute ago. And, and uh, you know, in this, uh, this is a series that's based off of this practice from the the life of Jesus, it actually predates Jesus, but well, that's not a true, Jesus of Nazareth. Let's see, the, how do you predate the eternal God? The, uh, but before he came in the flesh, the Sabbath has been practiced in the, uh, Israel, and then he also practiced it. And so we say, okay, as a church, we're about practicing the way of Jesus includes the Sabbath practice. And so I hope that you have been uh, enjoying uh, learning more about the Sabbath. And if you've been tracking along with us for the last three weeks and perhaps on Sunday, but also in your MCs, my hope is that by now you've had an opportunity uh, to tr try it out, to actually at least Sabbath one time over the last three weeks. And and if you have had an opportunity to do that, I hope it was great. I hope that uh, it was just so restful and full of delight. And I hope it was better than a lot of my Sabbaths. <laughs> now, I've been practicing the Sabbath for a couple years now, and, and, and I love it. And it's one of the reasons why we're teaching on this. I mean, uh, it's just so life-giving. But there are times when I have a Sabbath when uh, it's, it's, well, I guess the way to put it would be that it's a little bit more of a, a Sab-ish than a Sabbath. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a day where there's maybe a little bit more focus on rest than what I would feel freedom to do on any other, like, kind of weekend day, ordinary day. It's, it's Sab-ish, but it's not really a Sab-if. And, uh, you know, a common day like that, perhaps this would describe maybe what your experience has been so far, and if so, no, no judgment, but it, it, it's like a day when you unplug from work finally, maybe on Saturday, and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done, I'm going to stop, which is good, that's part of Sabbath, right? And then you say, okay, well, you know, I guess uh, this day is about rest, and so I'm going to I'm going to, uh, and pleasure stack, if you remember Krista talking about that last week. And so I was like, ah, and it's time to catch up on that show I've been wanting to watch. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to binge this show, show after show after show, because pleasure stacking shows, right? So I just watch that on Saturday night, and then on Sunday morning, I'll sleep in, because it's Sabbath. I'll just sleep later, but then you wake up late and like, try to figure out, like, okay, do I still have time to make it to worship on Sunday, you know, gather with my church family? And so you made me make it, and you you maybe don't make it, but it's like, oh, I don't want to do anything that's an obligation. And so, and then you, and then after the church service, then you're like, okay, well, you know, I got like, guess I'll go shopping maybe, or like I got some errands to run, or you go home, you're like, I'm watching the game, and just chill back, sit back, and watch the game for a little while. And then after that, it's like nap time because it's Sabbath. And so you tell the kids, like, hey, don't bother me. I'm going to take it because it's Sabbath. I'm taking a nap. It's a spiritual thing. And so they try to get them to keep you. A, Alone for a little while, and then, and then you kind of, you know, come to from the nap, and you're like, well, I got some email I need to get back to, and there are, is the laundry, and there are the other things I need to make some progress on, and I know it's my Sabbath, but it's okay, because, you know, I've rested a lot today, and, and I'll just do that. Sound, sounding like y'all Sabbath at all? <laughs> it's, been, it's been my experience a number of times over the last two years, and just to be clear, that's not a Sabbath. Uh, 
it, it's uh, it's a sab-ish, right? And, and I, I don't, and again, I don't say that to judge you. I just just kind of calling that out for what it is. It's it's not a Sabbath. That's it, that's basically what uh, the late pastor Eugene Peterson called a bastard Sabbath. I guess I can say that in church. He said it. He wrote the message, and so I can, you know. <laughs> But he would call it that because it, he, he would say that that, that it's that kind it's, it's that because it's the unacknowledged offspring of the ancient practice of Sabbath and the secular day off. That's that's what Sabbath is, and it man it's just so easy for our Sabbath day to become a Sabbath day. Uh, just a pretty normal weekend day. So today, uh, to wrap up this series on Sabbath, what we're going to do is we're going to consider the primary thing that will actually help us keep the Sabbath a Sabbath. And, uh, and as we've said throughout this series, the Sabbath actually has four key aspects to it. Hopefully, you, if you've been tracking with us, you know them by now, right? The four key aspects are what? Stop and then rest and delight and worship. And it's that last aspect. It's the aspect of worship that will help set the Sabbath day apart from all of the rest of the days of the week. And so this morning, what I want to help you do is just to see uh, where this idea comes from. The Sabbath is a day of worship and what worship looks like, because it it involves a little bit more than what I think we usually pigeonhole into what worship is. And then I want to help you see how how, uh, the other three aspects of the Sabbath fit with worship. Okay, so that's where we're going. Sound good? Great. All right. Well, let's begin by uh, gaining a biblical understanding of why the Sabbath is a day for worship. And we're going to do that by returning again to our key chapter, key verse in this whole series, and that's Genesis chapter 2, the first time that the word Sabbath shows up in Scripture. Now, as I read this, because we've been reading it almost every week, uh, you think, okay, I've already heard that. But this time, pay, pay attention to what God does in regard to the seventh day or the Sabbath day. Let me read it for us. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested, or Sabbath, from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Okay, did you catch it? What was the first thing that God did regarding the seventh or the Sabbath day? He blessed it, right? He blessed it. God blessed the seventh day. Now, I find this pretty interesting, and I don't know, maybe this is just something that pastors kind of geek out over, but this, uh, in the Genesis account, God only blesses three things. See, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 22, God, uh, we're told that after creating the animal kingdom, quote, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. And then in Genesis 1, verse 28, after God creates humankind, we're told again, quote, God blessed them and said to them, 
be fruitful and increase in number. And then here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, we're told that God blessed the Sabbath day. Okay, so God blessed animals and he blessed humankind, and then he blessed a day. Well, what's the significance of that? Well, throughout the book of Genesis, a blessing is always linked to life-giving capacity. To fill the earth with more life. And so when God blessed the Sabbath, he was saying that this day, similar to an animal or a human being, this day has life-giving capacity. See, life is tiring, right? And we all can nod our head on that one, right? I mean, between work and other responsibilities and family and, and, and kids and school and, you know, all just on and on. If you're like me, like you get to the end of the week and you're exhausted and you just feel depleted in, 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 in every level, physically, emotionally, even spiritually. Like by the end of the week, I, I, I'm, it's harder for me to actually give love. It's hard for me to not get anxious. It's harder for me to uh, be at peace. But when I Sabbath, when the Sabbath day comes, and, and, and it's not a Sabbath-ish day. It's a day where I actually really rest. What happens? Man, I feel rejuvenated feel restored. My clarity is returned. My ability to to give love has returned or increased, and I've I've got more at peace. I'm just more optimistic. Rest does that to us. Sabbath day does that for us because the Sabbath day isn't like an ordinary day. It's a day blessed by God. It's got life-giving capacity. It's interesting. uh, Many theologians uh, think that Jesus did many of his healings on the Sabbath day during his ministry because of this reason. Because the Sabbath day was always intended by God to bring restoration, to bring life, to bring healing to people. It's interesting, right? That's the first thing God does in regards to the seventh day of the Sabbath day. He blesses it. What's the second thing that we see here that God does? He made it holy. He made it holy. Now, what does it mean to make a day holy? Now, usually when we think of the word holy, we, we usually are thinking about in lines of like a, a moral descriptor, like that holy is, you know, something that's not evil, that it's righteous or good, you know. It's certainly that word can be used in that way, but it's not only used in that way. Like in the, uh, in the Old Testament, the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, we're told that there were utensils that were holy that were used in the tabernacle. Holy utensils. Now, how's a fork or a spoon or whatever uh, good or evil? It's, it's not, right? It's not what it means there. It, that word, in that sense, is used to describe something that's set aside for a special purpose. The, uh, <laughs> the word holy in Hebrew is the word kadash, and it just means unique or special or set apart. And so, like, I think about this week, I was, I was just, you know, rem- reminded of this, that 
growing up, um, my mom would sometimes break out the red plate. And, and uh, we did not have a lot of money growing up, so we didn't have fine china. I'm, I'm a, is that fine china is just a thing of the past? Does anyone have, you know, anyone under 30 have fine china? Matt, Mari, y'all going to try to get registered for some fine china for your, for your wedding coming up? We didn't have fine china growing up. We, uh, we just had the red plate. We, we didn't even have two red plates. We just had a red plate. But my mom would break out the red plate whenever it was a very special occasion, your birthday or Father's Day, or she'd break out for herself on Mother's Day or, you know, whatever it would be. On a special occasion, there would be the red plate. And if the red plate showed up on the dinner table, you knew it was special. In that sense, you could say that that red plate was holy. It was set apart for a special purpose. Well, what the red plate was, those special meals for my family growing up, that's what the Sabbath day is compared to all of the other days of the week, according to God. It's a day set apart for a special purpose. But a special purpose in what sense? Like what kind of special purpose? Or who is it set apart for? Is maybe a better question to ask. Well, the answer to that is found in Exodus chapter 20. To return to this again and the Ten Commandments in Uh, giving the command of the Sabbath, God is clear who the Sabbath is ultimately for. Let me read it for us. It says in Exodus 20, this is picking up in verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, here it is, to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, notice that phrase. A Sabbath to the Lord your God. This is God ultimately saying the Sabbath day is for him. And sure, the Sabbath is a day that's set apart from uh, the other days in order for us to rest, to stop and rest, and to delight in his good gifts. Yes, so true, and yet also, ultimately, it's not a day just for us, or most importantly, for us. It's a day for the Lord, a day dedicated, set apart by God for God. Or put another way, the Sabbath is a day for worship. Sabbath is a day for worship. And friends, when we keep that in mind, it will help guard us against uh, letting the Sabbath just become a Sab-ish day. Just another weekend day. Just another ordinary day. Yeah, it will help us from just making it all about us and doing really kind of whatever we please with a little bit more of an emphasis on rest. See, when we keep the, in mind that the, the, the Sabbath day is a day of worship, it will help us actually engage in the different aspects of the Sabbath day with a little bit more intentionality 
and with a greater sense of uh, thanksgiving and praise for God. Let me explain what I mean, because here's the deal. When I say that the Sabbath is a day for worship, that, that doesn't just mean that it's a day to gather on Sunday morning with your, with your church family to worship God. Though That's certainly an aspect of it. I'll say more about that in a second. But worship is a lot more than just singing or, or a church service, right? That uh, worship, uh, really, we get the English word worship from the old English word. Uh, this is the old English word. I, it... it, it Think sounds a little bit like worth-ship, worth-ship. And, and so the idea that this kind of comes from understanding where the, we get our English word from, it helps highlight what this word means in English. It, it means to recognize worth and then ship worth to the one who is worthy. And so worship is more than just singing and gathering on a Sunday morning. It, it, it's kind of put... In a way that's helpful for me to think through it, that worship is just, it's recognizing, especially the worship of God, is recognizing God's worth and then responding to his worth in a fitting way. Recognizing his worth and then responding to his worth in a fitting way. That's, that's worship. And what I want you to see this morning is that uh, each aspect of the Sabbath is meant to help us do both of those things. It's meant to help us recognize God's worth and then respond to his worth in a fitting way. So follow me here. We've been talking about on the Sabbath, you stop and you rest and you delight, right? Well, friends, here's what I want you to recognize. Stopping is worship. Stopping from your work, stopping from being productive, stopping from trying to get all your stuff done, that is worship when it's done in recognition that you can stop because God is God and you are not. See, uh, when you choose to trust, key word, when you choose to trust that God is the one who holds all things together, and so you can stop trying to hold all things together, that's worship. That's a fitting response to the recognition of God's worth. He's the sovereign king. And so you can set aside a full day to stop working and stop controlling and stop producing and stop creating in recognition. Again, that God is God and that you are not. See, stopping is worship when done in recognition of who God is. And one of the things that helps me personally connect the dots to that on my Sabbath day is I, I begin my Sabbath day. I, you know, uh, close the computer or whatever it is. And it's time for Sabbath. <laughs> and, I, and I start with a prayer. And the prayer goes something like this. It's not the same every time, but it goes something like this. It, it, I'll say, God, thank you that I can stop. Thank you that I can stop because you, not me, you are God and I am not. So I would say, God, may this day be a worshipful response to who you are. That helps me connect the dots, and in that, the stopping is worship. Just like that, resting is also 
<laughs> resting is also worship. Resting is also worship. Follow me here. Oh. Resting is worship when done in the recognition of the truth that we can rest because God has worked on our behalf to set us free. It's rest is worship when we recognize that we can rest because God has worked on our behalf to set us free. See, each week, the Sabbath day is meant to remind us of the beautiful and freeing truth that our identity and our worth is not based on whether or not we killed it at work that week. It's not based on what all we got done or who we impressed or, you know, how much money we made or didn't make that week, that, that our identity, our, our security, and our worth is based on who God is and who he says we are and what he has done in our place for us on our behalf. And when we connect the dots to that, then that is the rest, is the fitting response to who he is and what he's done. And we say, okay, God, look at you. Look what you've done for me. Now, how should I respond in light of you doing the work for me to know that I don't have to bear the burden of justifying myself and proving myself? Well, the fitting response is to rest. And in that rest is worship when done in recognition of God doing, working on your behalf. So for me in my Sabbath practice, Whenever I'm resting, whether that's when I wake up after sleeping later that day, or if I do take a nap that day, or if I'm just reading a book out on the porch and it's just this restful time, what I'll often stop and do at the end of that rest time is just to say, thank you, God, for the ability, the gift to be able to rest. I can rest because I don't have to carry the burden of justifying myself. You have worked on my behalf. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Because of him, I can rest. See, rest is worship when connected to what he's done for us. And then lastly here, delight is also worship. Delight is worship when it's done in recognition of the truth that every good and perfect gift comes to us from the Father. As James 1.17 says. Krista taught on this last week, and she was awesome, wasn't she? I know I'm a little biased, but she's so great. Um, but when Krista was saying this, she, she was making the point that when we take time to enjoy God's good gifts, and we recognize that those good gifts are from God, that they give us a glimpse into what he's like, that's worship. That when we recognize that he is our good father who loves his children and blesses us with good gifts that we can delight in, whether that be a sunset or a good friend or an awesome Sabbath meal or a walk in nature, all of that becomes worship when it's connected to the giver of those good things. Oh, the danger of last week's teaching on Sabbath as delight, is that with all ideas, the enemy is constantly at work to warp and parody the truth. And we can be easily misled in our 
hedonistic culture into turning a Godward day of delight into a worship, delight and worship into a self-centered day of pleasure. But uh, delight on the Sabbath is meant to draw your whole being to God in gratitude and joy. Whereas pleasure is just trying to make your body feel good, right? You don't walk away from pleasure feeling profound gratitude. You just walk away wanting more pleasure. But there is a kind of delight that is virtually indistinguishable from worship. When we connect the good gifts in our life to the giver of those good gifts. You see, friends, that's what I'm trying to help you see. When I say that Sabbath is a day for worship, that doesn't mean it's not a day for stopping and resting and delighting. It means that that's what the stopping and resting and delighting all lead to. They're all rooted in and all feed. They feed worship. They're connected to worship when we recognize we can do each of those aspects because of who God is and what he's done for us. When we make that connection, they all help draw our heart and our attention toward God in worship deepening our understanding of his character as we experience who he is and what he's done for us every seventh day. That's what leads us to pray and to praise and to give thanks and to worship him. And of course, of course, when we take time on the Sabbath to just entirely delight in God, that's worship too, right? So as we delight in God himself, as we commune with our triune God and through prayer, through hearing his word, listening to him through his word, just giving him all of our undivided attention, just enjoying being with him and delighting in God, that also is so worshipful to him. And that's a part of the Sabbath day, which is, this is why for most of us, the, the, the best day for our Sabbath is Sunday by far. That for over a thousand years, Sabbath and Sunday worship were synonymous because they, they, they go together. It's not till recently that they seem to be divided. But gathering to worship God along with your church family, that is such a fitting way to respond to God's great worth. It's a fitting way to try to keep the, holy, the Sabbath day holy and unto the Lord. See, when we uh, keep in mind that the Sabbath is to the Lord, that's going to keep it this day from drifting into just any other ordinary day. It's going to keep it from becoming a, sa- a Sab-ish day or just a normal weekend day. As you connect stopping and resting and delighting to worship, you will see that Sabbath is a fitting worshipful response to him. And you'll be helped to keep it holy, set apart for the Lord. Okay, does that make sense? Do you see how this is all worship? When done in recognition of who he is and what he's done. That you don't rest just to rest, though that's great. We don't stop just because we sh- we're working too much. Though that's, that's a good thing. It's more than that. And that's what makes this day also as holy, set apart for the Lord. 
There's one thing else I want to say about this in regards to Sabbath day being the day of worship. And that's just to point out that uh, what personally, what I find is that as the Sabbath day goes on, you know, for me, beginning on for me, Sunday night and going all the way through Monday because Sunday is a work day for me. And so as the day wears on on Monday, I find that my soul is moved to worship more as the day increases. That There's a natural progression towards worship as we stop and rest and delight. That like when I finally stop and I'm, I'm like not doing anything, not trying to be productive, I'm not trying to shop or buy or want or worry or anything, I, then that's when I stop, I can rest, right? That makes sense. And then when I rest, when I actually sleep good through the night, maybe sleep in a little bit on Monday and whenever I take, a, maybe I'm taking it really easy in the morning, I'm reading, just chilling. As I rest, I just feel the ability to actually delight in anything. Right? It's like the part of Wizard of Oz when it shifts from black and white to color. That at some point in my day, it's just like, I can hear birds chirping, you know? And it's like, oh, look at the birds, you know? And so, so that, which is so Jesus-like, right? Um, look at the birds of the air. No, so, but I notice, I seriously, I can start noticing things. I have more capacity to delight in things. And when I start delighting in those things and recognize that the, all of these things I'm delighting in are gifts from God, then I naturally move to a posture of worship thanking God, praising God for he is. That's a natural progression of this day as well. And I don't think I'm alone in feeling that progression. Uh, for example, Ruth Haley Barton in her chapter on Sabbath in the book Sacred Rhythms has this to say. She says, I know what it's like to rest for hours until I have the energy to delight in something. Good food, a good book, a leisurely walk, a long-awaited conversation with someone I love. I know what it's like to feel joy and hope and peace flow back into my body and soul, though I had thought it might never come again. I know what it's like to see my home and my children through the Sabbath eyes of enjoyment. I know what it's like to have rest turn into delight and delight turn into gratitude and gratitude turn into worship. The Sabbath is a day for worship a day to recognize who God is and what he's done and to respond in a fitting way by stopping and resting and delighting. And friends, oh, as we kind of get ready to close out this series, I just want to put this in front of us. We can either sanctify the Sabbath day holy unto the Lord, or we can, in the language of Scripture, profane the Sabbath day. Profane, meaning we can devalue it, dishonor it, treat it like just any other day. And my invitation to all of us, my encouragement to all of us is, hey, let's keep the Sabbath day holy. Let's keep the Sabbath day holy. Our culture is killing itself through overwork and overconsumption and overactivity, that we are, as Neil Postman famously said, amusing ourselves to death. Americans have normalized an unhealthy and exhausting way to live. But friends, Jesus invites us into a way of life that is so much 
He has invited us to experience a day every seven days that feels like the kingdom of heaven. A day when God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. See, theologians point out that the Sabbath looks back, looks both backwards and forward in time. It's an aftertaste of the Garden of Eden, and it's a foretaste of the New Jerusalem. For when we stop toiling, when we enter into rest and delight in God's presence, friends, that's heaven. I mean, that's like heaven. The rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel once said, the essence of the world to come is a Sabbath eternal. And the seventh day in time is an example of eternity. Or to quote Dan Allender in his book on Sabbath, he says, for six days, I wrestle with the world under the toil of the curse, soiled by the oil of humanity's commerce, deeply longing for, that bright, for the bright wings of a coming dawn. And each day, at best, is a repletion of the day before, unless the next day is Sabbath. It is the queen of all days. The day in which division and destitution and death are put aside to celebrate our union with God, the abundance of his love, and the wild hope of the coming kingdom. Sabbath is a day to stop, rest, delight, and worship, and in that, it is also a day that gives us a taste of heaven. Right here in Austin, every seventh day, in Austin as it is in heaven. Perhaps no other day of the week more like heaven than our Sabbath day. And friends, that is something that we all desperately need. And so Jesus invites all of us into this. He invites all of us into this. He modeled this practice for us, and he invites us to join him in it, saying famously, Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from my way of life. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find Rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All of us, all of you, are invited into this. And as a church family, I just want you to know that we are here to help each other figure out how to do it, to figure out how to practice the way of Jesus together. No matter your stage of life, young kids, single, empty nesters, student, wherever you are, we're here to help each other figure out how to do this together. But it begins with you having to decide if you're going to do it or not. You have to decide if you're going to Sabbath. And of course, initially, when you hear about it, like, who's against this? Rest and delight and joy, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, I'm, oh, I don't want any part of that. It's a wonderful thing. But it's, man, it's, you find, as Matt shared earlier, it takes, it takes some effort to build this into the rhythm of your life. 
it actually takes you having to make some very hard decisions, some sacrificial decisions, because to say yes to Sabbath is to say to no to many other things. But I would testify that it is worth it times 10. And it begins. It begins with you having to decide if you're, you're going to do it. And I just want to be clear. My goal, and as a church, our goal, is not to try to coerce you into it or at all force you to do it like, like we could force you to do it. Show up at your house and be like, are you working right now? Oh. But that's not what we're after. But what we do want to do is invite you into it invites you into this way of life that brings rest to your soul and glory to our God. I've been really encouraged over the last three weeks by how many stories I've heard from y'all about people trying, y'all trying to practice Sabbath, steps that you're taking. And I just love that. I think that honors God and it's good for you. I want that to be true of our, our church. But it's kind of hard, isn't it? So we're going to keep encouraging you in this. Even though this series is done, I want you to lean into your MCs and y'all keep talking about this. How's that going? Or in your huddles, checking in on each other to help support one another so that we can practice the way of Jesus together in Austin. Towards that end, we have this Sabbath practice guide and uh, each week, there are a couple of exercises that we give you to help you kind of grow in that aspect of the Sabbath, this one being on worship. And so there's two exercises in there. I'd really encourage you to, to check out this week. The first one is a fixed hour prayer to help, help you commune with God throughout your Sabbath day. The second is your spirit, uh, help you discover your spiritual pathways. And uh, it's just kind of points you to a, a resource there and gives you kind of an idea of what that might mean. It's wor really worth your time. But both of those things will help you worship God on your Sabbath. I encourage you to look into those this week if you choose to take us up or take Jesus up on his invitation to practice the Sabbath.